And welcome to Cleveland the Geek, dropping like flies. <laughs> you trying to tell me something? <laughs> um, I was also going to go with maybe Gleeman's Almost Gone edition. Yeah, you're so good. <laughs> I'm John Bonas, which was daily with me, Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. For now. <laughs> I still have four days left. I don't know. You don't That's, have four days left? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you are around until Monday. Okay. Ah, well, so I don't get, leave till Monday. So, those of you who are Patriots will be able to hear Aaron Gleeman from spring training one more time. Yeah, sorry. We'll be reporting <laughs> sorry for the uh, Monday morning. We're trying to arrange a uh, maybe a special guest. We'll see if we can get people to to uh, participate on their off day. I bet, yeah. you, I bet you I can get uh, Phil Miller to show up, and we'll be he'll be the special guest, and we'll we'll do it from a brewery, and you can just take off straight from there, and Phil and I'll just stay at the brewery. How do you like that plan? Oh, you guys could just do that. <laughs> I, pu- I said let, we went we out. Just do it, and then I'll take him out to a brewery. We How's l- that? Oh, well, that's fine too. <laughs> we went out last night. To a place called Pots, which is a, like a sports bar, yeah. uh, and I. Posted, it's, the, it's the new nearest sports bar to Hammond Stadium, right? Basically. It's like very <laughs> right, close. Right, right. Um, and I posted a picture of Phil talking with his hands, and you looking very like, like sort of pensive about what he was saying. And I said, <laughs> "I call these now unrecorded podcasts." <laughs> that's, all, that's how I view the world. Is this a recorded podcast or an unrecorded podcast? Like when I'm just sitting on the couch right. talking to Becky, I go, oh, this is an unrecorded podcast. That's how <laughs> I view Those are it. the truly insider ones. Although, Patreon ones are close. Yeah, but truly it wasn't any, we published. <laughs> it wasn't anything particularly scandalous in that particular conversation. Yeah, those are like $500 an episode to listen to <laughs> us moaning. That was probably Phil just talking about which Bruce Springsteen uh, concert he went to and there which, and which other ex-Twins official was there. Multiple. <laughs> He ran into multiple. I like that yeah, we're like. He, he finds out afterwards that the right. various two like officials were. We're hiding their identity, like going to a like a like a sixty year old white guy going to a Bruce Springsteen concert is like big, <laughs> like undercover. Um, we uh, it's Friday morning. Is that correct? Correct. Thank you. <laughs> we have reached to that part of spring training oh, where like, every day is exactly the same. I get off the plane from Minneapolis and I'm like, what day is it? I mean, I'm in, when I'm in Minneapolis, I'm like, what day is it? Um. We're they're gonna play Red Sox today, and then Braves on the road tomorrow. We got right. we have a decent amount of stuff like John hinted at when he attempted to when he went against my wishes and attempted <laughs> to name the show before it started. That injuries are uh, are popping up, and it's funny like when you when injuries were such a storyline the previous season or right. seasons, but really last season. Every little injury is like, oh, here we go again. We are overly sensitive. But I don't know that, like, there hasn't right. been significant injuries yet, really, although Gilberto Celestino <laughs> might say otherwise, which we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, the the biggest one is Jose Miranda, and it's possible that that's nothing. Right. Like, you know, take 10 days yeah. off from throwing. He's still hitting. He had a hit, an RBI single yesterday. Right. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I don't want to say how hurt could he be, because the answer is he could be hurt, but... The, there's a bunch of like minor injuries, but part of me thinks that's probably what happens in the first two, three weeks of camp anyway, because it's not that people are sitting around doing nothing all off season like I am. Right. But, you know, you come here and if you're Jose Miranda, they go, okay, go to third base and take uh, 50 ground balls. And after you throw 50, 50 times, times, you're like, ooh, base, right. my arm hurts. That's obviously the hope with what it is, right. that, it's, that it's relatively minor. When we talked to him yesterday, since we're diving into this topic... 
<clears throat> we did yeah. talk to him a little bit about it yesterday. One of the things he said is he's had this before. Right. And he said, what, two weeks it cleared? Like, yeah. not throwing for two weeks, just cleared, more or less right. cleared it up he on had its this two years ago. Right. Which is right. the hope. I mean, Baldelli said <laughs> the other day, too, that, you know, guys showing up to camp and having a sore arm from throwing right. or having right. sore hammies from running or whatever is, is fairly common. And, right. I mean, that's certainly true. It's just. They're under such a microscope with the new trainer, Nick Paparesta, and just keeping everyone healthy that, you know, there is a fair number. Larnick is sidelined. Uh, they previously shut down Ronnie Henriquez. Hilberto Celestino is out six to eight weeks uh, with a ligament tear in his uh, thumb, which we'll talk about in a second. And Miranda had to announce that he's opting out of the or withdrawing from the World Baseball Classic, which begins in about, what, a week? Yeah, Something I, think, like that. I think I think they leave on the seventh. Right, and he was going to play for Puerto Rico, uh, so now the Twins only have fifteen guys on the Puerto Rican team because <laughs> Correa's out, Miranda's out, and pr- I mean previously Duran had opted out of WBC right, for yeah. the Dominican, and then Donovan Solano, who's the newest Twin, opted out for Colombia, basically in tandem with signing with the Twins because he was like, "Well, I'm a late arrival to camp. I don't want to do that." But they still have. By the way, we see him today. He's in the line yeah, today. in the line today. So, and we saw Correa's debut, which we'll talk about in a second. But, yeah, I mean, we've also just, like, seen games now with pitch clock and, and shift limitations and pickoff limitations and all sorts of other stuff, all the new rules that they've, they've put in place. And I got to say, like, there's been a couple of weird moments with it, especially the first couple of games. There were, like, some plays where nobody really seemed to know Nobody on the field even seemed to know like, <laughs> right, what the, what yeah, the hell is going on. Right, right. But, man, it's uh, the pace is amazing. Like, it, it really... It doesn't feel rushed. It, no. it, it feels like a normal baseball game is right. what it feels like. And what, what it really shows, and like so like Correa's debut two days ago here at Hammond <laughs> Stadium, um, he, it was on March 1st, and his first at-bat, <laughs> the first pitch... From uh, Philly's phenom uh, prospect, Andrew Painter, Painter yeah. who throws about 99. Uh, first pitch, Correa fouls it off and then steps out of the box and takes a little, you know, half circle around and pr- starts to do like a like a warm-up swing or a practice swing. And then you can you can see in his head <laughs> the the hamster wheel. I've got a TikTok on this. Have you seen the TikTok? I think it's on Twitter. Have I watched your TikTok? I have not, John. <laughs> I have too much self-respect for that, John. I'm going to be honest with you. No, but it's, it's great because he didn't talk about it. He's like suddenly yes. like, oh, I, he said, I get, there's a clock. He said, oh, S, there's a clock. And he said, I hop back in there. And then you can see the next pitch he takes for a strike, I think, which is not surprising because he's flustered at that point. And he does not leave the box then at that point. Yeah, Bat right. just goes right back on the shoulder. Right. And I think that. So, I mean, it was funny. And he didn't say, like, he didn't dislike the pitch clock. Like, no. he seems fine with it. It just, he didn't, his brain wasn't ready Very for the first, first one. time to ever use it. Right. He, it was like, oh, geez. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think that's, I mean, that first of all, that's the purpose of having it in spring training as opposed to just introducing it on <laughs> right. opening day, obviously. Right. But I think that's how it's going to be for a lot of guys. Now, you're going to have some, some pitchers who complain. You might even have some hitters who complain. But I, I just, I have very little sympathy because... What it show? What watching the last I don't know ten days of games right. or eight days of games, whatever it is, has shown me is how absurd it had gotten. Like the right. state of stepping out of the box and pitchers walking around the mound and staring in and stepping off and all that. And I think it it took like we know we knew that was the case, you know, deep down. 
that it had gotten just so drawn out and right. so slow. And it's almost it doesn't it got to the point where it didn't serve a purpose. Like right. You know, it didn't add anything to their it was, prep, really. It was, it was almost just, just part of the routine that had gotten into every player's head, yeah. which is I, I, a pitch comes if you're the batter after every pitch, both feet out of the box, do a little walk around, take a practice swing. And it's not – if you ask <laughs> a player, is that to do – like, does that accomplish something? Some of them might say, yeah, it gives me a chance to mentally reset, and I'm sure that's true. But it didn't accomplish anything. It had just gotten to the point where that was part of, like, the accepted – routine and i think and the same is true obviously for pitchers right um and this just sort of snaps that routine or or breaks that routine and that's been the biggest change for me is like you said i I mean it takes a little getting used to the pace is definitely rapid some of these games are ending in two hours 15 minutes which i mean it's great but more so than like what the the current state of things are which is much faster and quicker pace which is great but the bigger thing to me is it just shows you how crazy things had gotten and how absurd things have gotten in terms of just these kind of micro delays right i mean when we when we talked about implementing this pitch clock people were like oh is it gonna be a big deal is it not gonna be a big deal or something or yeah you know it kind of goes against the spirit of the game which is sort of right. an endless timeless game you know etc i i would i always kind of related it to some people related to the basketball shot clock, but I related it more to the um, to the football play, play clock, clock yeah. right? Where no, no, no. Let's just make sure we have something happening about every right. you know twenty seconds, forty seconds. Right. You know, let's do something. And you know, if they didn't have a play clock in football, it would just you can see given all the complexities and stuff that they're going through you can see it would last 2 minutes right. it'd be 2 minutes between it well and then also plays. the strategic elements right of exactly theater. right like a lot of things for you to consider right. part of the part of the game is figuring out how to reset yourself in 40 seconds in the NFL yeah. right and figure out what you, if you might not call the perfect play and every by time the way, they you got might a, not call the perfect pitch every time in baseball they got a lot more moving parts they got 11 dudes <laughs> right. they got to get set right. a play has right. to come in sometimes in baseball there's literally nothing that is occurring right. between the pitches like yeah. if you just take a 2-1 pitch for a strike there's no need for you to do anything because there's not a bunt right. being called there's not a hit and run being called you can just stand there and prepare for the next pitch somebody to, uh, Wandy Peralta, I think his name, the lefty reliever for the Yankees, he pitched yesterday or the day before, and I saw a clip of it. He struck a guy out on three pitches in 20 seconds, and I don't mean 20 <laughs> seconds. Like I mean, start to finish, the at-bat lasted 20 seconds, and what happened was, I mean, he took an extreme view, but he just kept his feet on the, on the rubber the whole right, time. Right. And so he threw a pitch, the catcher threw it right back to him, he put it in his glove, and he was set, and the batter was like, oh, uh... Okay, and the weird thing is, the batter didn't have to immediately get no, in the box. No, batter could have stepped out of the box. But there was like an anyway. implied pressure, sort right. of peer pressure of, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Yeah. And so the batter right. hopped in, threw another pitch, strike, struck him out, and it was like, that's an extreme version. And, and honestly, I don't want to see that. Because I, I do like, there needs to be a little pace of it, and I get that a, you know, you take a practice swing or something like that, you got to look down at the signs in a lot of cases if you're a batter and, and everything like that. But I could see them eventually sort of tightening this up even a little bit more. Though. Yeah. I could see them doing it another second or two or faster. I, guess. I, guess, I mean, what, what we have learned, to get back to your point, is, <clears throat> is that what we had before was just so self-indulgent. Right. I think that's right. And you so that's I mean? why I have such little sympathy for the people who are complaining, whether they're coaches or 
or players or even fans and, and media members, but that's baseball. There is not a change you could make to baseball. And then the one I always cite is, whatever, eight years ago, they were like, it's stupid that the pitcher has to throw four intentional balls to intentionally walk someone. <laughs> what if we just let them hold up four fingers and forget it? And people were outraged by that. <laughs> well, one out of every 50,000, the ball goes to the backstop. And right. You're, you're automizing you're taking away you know the human element of the game and it's like uh one week later nobody nobody cares right, of course. nobody will care and this is a little different than that obviously but it really i think self-indulgent is a good way which is whenever i hear a pitcher complain and there are some where it's like this is too rushed and it's you know all this i think this wouldn't have been necessary if over the past 10 to 15 years it hasn't gotten gradually and progressively worse Right. And all you have to do is go back and watch a game. And I'm not saying go watch a game from the 60s. I'm saying watch a game from like 2003 or something <laughs> like that. I realize that's 20 years ago. I'm an old man. To me, that's not a long time ago. And it's crazy how much quicker it is. And it's not because. And even then, we were complaining about well, how right. long the games were. I mean, uh, yeah, go back and watch a game. Go back and watch the 87 or 91 World Series. You'll be just floored by how few times the batter steps out of the box, how few times the pitcher's walking around the mound. And that was the highest of stakes, the longest of games. Well, like those, right? You know what I mean? That was. I've heard, I've seen complaints from people who are saying, well, it's fine, you know, it's some random May game between the Royals and the Twins or whatever. But what about in the World Series? You know, game seven of the World Series, do we really want a pitch clock? Yeah. First of all, by then, though, I've had seven months to get used to it, or right. nine months to get used to it, really, if you count spring training. And, you know, they don't go, oh, well, uh, you know, NBA Finals, you got 30 seconds to shoot. <laughs> like, right. if you're not used to it by October, and also, get in the box. Let's go. Right. Like, what? I, right. I mean, if you tried to do the version of baseball we saw last year where every pitch there was just a delay for no reason on one or both sides and you tried to do that like in little league or high school people would think you were insane if you were a high school baseball player or honestly even a college baseball player and after every pitch as a batter you stepped out of the box you you unvelcroed and velcroed your batting gloves you took three <laughs> practice swings you did a little half circle and then you went back in the box you could do that once and everyone on the team would be like, what the F are you doing? <laughs> like, you seem insane. But it had gotten to the point where that had become right. the norm right. and to the point where pitchers who worked fast, like Louis Varlin last year, worked, you know, quote, right. unquote, very fast. Joe Ryan did. Joe Ryan. Well, that stood out not because they were, like, maniacally working fast, right. but just because they didn't have any of the BS surrounding the game. Right. <laughs> right. And so, I, I, you know, that point, though, about the late-season games does make me wonder, from a crowd standpoint in the playoffs, where, you know, it is a game where every pitch people are on their feet, and, and you've got, right. instead of having, you know, the 45 seconds to sort of, okay, we're all going to be quiet here for about 20 seconds, okay, and then we start to get on the mound, okay, now we start now we start ramping it up to the point where the actual pitch goes off. Uh, to have that happen in 15 seconds, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that is going to be such a much more fun, I, I think that's going to be such a much more fun experience for the fans. They are going to be on their feet the entire time, right. and we're not going to have to wait you know, other things like you know the bumper music that goes on in between the at bats, like dun dun dun, or yeah. the you know the clapping or They're whatever. Put those <laughs> like, people out of business. 
But they're going to have to come up with some shorter. Uh, but that's the thing, stuff. right? So obviously, we poor both, Seuss. We're going to have to really, really sue get the organist. Sue the organist. That's what else. Target field. <laughs> She'll find to, something. She, she's going to have to really crank out uh, Hava Nagila uh, twice as fast or something. Well, it's like when people tell me they listen to this podcast on double speed. <laughs> people listen to this podcast on double speed. <laughs> now they're all freaked out. They're like, what had just happened? Um, I learned from the micro machines, man. How to, uh, but so obviously we're both what we've seen. I've enjoyed watching it. Um, I think the players, for the most part, I've heard very few complaints. The coaching, like Baldelli, seems to like right. the pace of it. Obviously, and there's going to be some holdouts. There's going to be an incident or two where somebody makes a big deal out of something. Right. But the thing to remember, I think, and then we'll move on to some actual Twins news. Uh, because this is funny. This is uh, two old guys yelling at a cloud, but we're yelling <laughs> that we like the cloud. <laughs> That's right. We're not telling them to get off our lawn. We're saying stay as long as you like on our lawn. This is a but no baseball is being removed. Do you know what I mean? Right. No action is being removed. The padding, the unnecessary padding is being removed. And I think that's worth remembering. And so people inevitably go to the most extreme version of what happens <laughs> in Game 7 of the World Series. Well, there's still 27 outs. Uh, it's right. still going to go nine innings. Still three strikes for a strikeout, right. four balls for a walk, all this stuff. Like, you're you're removing the padding. And I could see that, you know, maybe some fear that, like you said, the the kind of incredible just tense buildup that happens between every yeah. you know ninth inning pitch in the world series or something like that is perhaps lessened a little bit but it, i actually it, think the adrenaline of I, it I agree with you maybe I, amplifies I, I, I that i know the 87 people are like ah well because we yeah. were playing so much faster we didn't have as right. much adrenaline or as much joy no, at 87 or 91 that's the thing i think <laughs> people lose sight of and i swear we'll talk stop talking about this but i think people lose sight of how recently this was different Right, like the idea of how can they put a pitch clock in the World Series? Well, the way they can do that is, fifteen years ago in the World Series, they had the pacing that they will now, except they didn't need a pitch clock to motivate it uh, or to you know force it. And so, th- all your, all that right. the pitch clock is doing for the most part is getting back to how it was before this you know this thing got out of control and sort of just. You know, <laughs> gradually started rolling towards the point that people were taking thirty seconds between every action. So. I think with us talking about this, everybody's going to be like, everybody who has not experienced it, it live or on right. a TV show are going to be like, "Boy, it's going to be a really big change, etc." That is the biggest thing about it is that you won't notice it. Right, you fall into it. You will not notice it. Yeah. I mean, we. You, uh, I I went to several games with at uh, at uh, CHS Field last year, right? And my takeaway was, well, there's shorter games. I didn't really notice it. Right. You, what you notice, what you what happens is you don't notice the times where it slows down. Right. Which is what, That's what, what I'm was, saying, which, yeah. which is what I notice at Target Field. It's the absence of delay, not so much right. the change in you know pace or whatever. But speaking of delay, yeah, don't delay to uh, sign up for RotoWire. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. <laughs> because uh, it is baseball season. It is, a, and your draft is coming up in yeah. a hurry, right? Yeah, we can. Gleeman and the Geek listeners can you sign up for RotoWire, which we've both been longtime customers, long twenty before, some years, long before they uh, founded well, by a Twins fan. Yes, um, <laughs> and a listener. Long before they were a sponsor, <laughs> you can go to RotoWire.com/Gleeman, and it's a totally free trial that they're offering our listeners. And the way you know it's totally free, no strings attached. You don't even have to give them your credit card information. 
And here's why. They're so confident that if you use the product, you can honestly sign up for the free trial and do a thousand drafts and then quit. That's fine. Because they are so confident in their product that they know that once you get exposed to it and once you use it, you will see the value of it and you will say, oh, I want to stick with this throughout the season, whether to help you with your fantasy leagues, whether just to stay up to date on baseball. If you're a writer yes. like John and I, it's it's invaluable to have their database of injuries and player news going back 20 years. Yeah. Like you can look up right. a guy's entire history of Oh, I, I seem to remember he missed a couple weeks back in you know 2019, and then you can actually look it up and see the initial at the moment report, which I find invaluable. They're or, the, or customized cheat sheets. Like you, you right. got a slightly different league. You and your friends do do things a little differently than everybody else. You can set that up so you can get different rankings based on it. Have that much more of a leg up in your uh, in your fantasy draft. RotoWire is they provide data and and player write ups to you know Yahoo and ESPN and CBS and a bunch more big sites there. Uh, you know pr- the leading place in the entire industry. Uh, so here's what you do: you go, for Gleeman and the Geek listeners to get a totally free trial, no credit card required. You can do your drafts, you can do whatever, all your prep, you can do everything. RotoWire.com/slash/Gleeman. Go check it out. They're confident, and I'm confident yeah. that you'll like it. Another uh, local sponsor, Soda Stick. I can't tell you how many Soda Stick T-shirts I've seen around the ballpark. They're they're everywhere, right? But the tricky part about Soda Stick T-shirts is we say this all the time: a lot of limited time yes, stuff. They're small right? batch. It's like a great barbecue place, <laughs> right? They, it's the meat is there until it's gone. So how do you know about it? Well, you sign up. Yeah, you sign is- up so that you know. Listen, what's here's what's going to happen. Some T-shirts can be really hot, like Luisa Rise three sixteen last year, right? Yes. And it's or the. Uh, Miranda t-shirt that yeah. was last year, right? And it's going to be one of those things where by the time you see it on somebody, well, they're sold out. Of yes, it. this happened to me with the Miranda shirt where <laughs> right. it was the star with Miranda, right. uh, like Hamilton, obviously, for so Lee what, Manuel Miranda. And by the time I, Becky said, oh, you better get five of those for me and so-and-so. <laughs> right. And by the time I went, it was like, oh, sold out. And I was like, well, that was not fun. But if you want to know even ahead of time, Right. When something is coming out and you want kind of first dibs on stuff, <laughs> yes. they have a new thing that you can sign up, which is just a text list. So yep. you get updated on new releases. They also will put the restock information yes, and some special deals. Valuable. Like when they've sold out of something and they get, nope, we're going to do one more push right. at it. You still got a chance to go get it. They will let you know ahead of time that they're going to be doing And you get 15% off your next order if you sign up for the text list. So here's what you have to do. Just go to Soda Stick. Dot com. That's soda like Minnesota. Sodastick.com. You'll get a little pop-up that'll say, do you want to sign up? Click yes. You get 15% off your next order. And then when new shirts come out, you'll just get a little text saying like, hey, this is coming out tomorrow or right. this is coming out whatever. Or an email or whatever. Yes. Yeah, there's lots of ways you can sign up and follow them. But make sure you do that. Sodastick.com uh, to check it out. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Back to, uh, I guess, well, the, the one other thing new rules-wise was I thought Correa's comments were interesting. So, (laughs) you know, we were joking about his first at-bat that he hopped back in and all that stuff. But another thing that I noticed during that game was when he was at shortstop defensively for, I think he played four innings or something, he was constantly kind of tiptoeing the line between dirt and grass because that's part of the the shift limitations is that infielders cannot begin the at-bat with their feet touching the grass at all. Correct. And so you could see him 
putting his heel as close as he could to that and kind of like figuring out how he wanted to balance it. And then you and could he, also see... he talked about talking to the umpire right. where the umpire was telling him, you cannot, I cannot see your heel touching the grass right. so I'm going to call something. And you could see him having constant conversation. I think that it was a second base number. I think Andy Fletcher was right. his name. Uh, you could see Correa just constant in conversation with him just like throughout each inning as he would move around because here's the thing, and we've talked about this before, there, there's a misconception that shifts have been banned that's obviously not the case and all you had to do was watch Correa for those four innings in his debut the other day to see that which is there were some at bats he was playing close to third there was some at bats where he was playing a very traditional shortstop as deep as he could uh, which is not as deep as he would like to play and then there were some where he was playing basically even with the second base bag kind of in short center field as far as he could so the idea that he's not shifting or that infielders can't shift is i think you know misguided it's just limited only two people on each side of the base obviously and i wonder if for a player like correa or for other shortstops if the no feet on grass thing could end up being as big or or bigger in terms of impact because as he pointed out yeah that's going to take some getting used to because his strengths as a shortstop He's not the quickest guy. He's not the fat. And in fact, he's has below average just speed, foot speed for a shortstop. But what he has is an incredible arm. Right. And he's six foot four. And so we've seen that in the past with like JJ Hardy. I mean, going back to Cal Ripken Jr. was the right. first one to really do this. You just play as far back as you can right. when you when your strength is physical size and arm strength, because you just have to get to the ball. It can kind of expand the the hard hit ball diameter you of your range, short left field, right. and still have the arm to get it over there in time to get the runner. Right now, that doesn't mean he's playing, you know, like I said, in short left field, but it does mean he's maybe a step or two onto the grass. behind the grass, which is was common and now right. is is banned. And, and again, so. I wonder how big of a deal that how big of a change right. that's going to be versus how much it's just about matter of comfort. It's just changing you the know? angle, basically. You you have less kind of coverage initially yeah we suppose you know maybe the first step on grass versus the first step on dirt might be a little bit different yeah, the push off and you're stuff big klutz like we are you know, probably not carlos correa he's wearing spikes and everything he's yeah. not wearing dunks like i am but uh so yeah I, that'll be that unlike the pitch clock that actually has sort of a tangible effect on effectiveness Right, like it, it cha- It could potentially the shift I'm talking about in, right, in the grass right. thing. Like the pitch clock is just eliminating the time. Now you can argue, I guess, that pitchers will have less recovery time and all that stuff, but it's it's not changing like the properties of pitching. Right. Whereas this is changing literally where you can stand defensively, and so it, it is going to have an impact. But I don't we know. did see Max Kepler get an infield. Our ground ball through the right side. Yeah, of the are we going to do that every year? Every ground ball hit he gets was he, he beat the shift. Like right. he never got a ground ball hit in his whole life before that. <laughs> I, what he said earlier this year is he thinks he's gotten two. He got two last year. Yeah. It'd be interesting to actually fact check that. How many times he got a ground ball through the right side of the infield? I bet it was more than two. But yeah, who knows? Uh, okay, so we talked a little bit about Miranda. So just to go through this whole situation, basically showed up after the off season, which by the way he spent. Getting into much better physical shape, right, yeah. Preparation to, for moving full time back to third base, which was his primary position in the minor leagues, which makes this unfortunate because it's not that he needs the reps there necessarily, but it's like this was a relatively big change for him because he played mostly first base and some DH as a rookie. So he's going back to third. First few days in camp, had some shoulder soreness. 
And they basically said, well, okay, stop throwing. But he's able to hit. Like, it doesn't affect him when he hits. It's not, you know, right. which they have put him through testing on the on the training staff side. And they they seem pretty confident that's just a little tendonitis. You know, we'll find out in 10 days or something if that's the case. But he, like I said, he had an RBI single yesterday as the DH. He's right. been in the lineup, like, often. Yeah, he's been DH. played every other game, basically. Right. Just uh, as DH. But he withdrew from the World Baseball Classic, like we said. You know, I think what's interesting about this is, you know, he does have time to get ready, potentially. It's not a new position for him. I mean, he's played 2,000 innings or something like that at third base in the minors. So it's not like, a oh, he needs reps because he doesn't know how to play third. It's more just like you don't want to have a sore arm at a new position. But the interesting thing is, you know, most of the time in baseball for a position player, if they can't effectively field because of an injury – they're on the IL because for the most part, if you remove the fielding component from a position player, one of two things or both happen. One is, you know, if you remove the fielding component from like, I'm trying to think just some random shortstop, well, they're not good enough to be a (laughs) DH or a first baseman. And so their utility shrinks. The other thing is a lot of teams have a set first baseman and or a set de- designated hitter. And so the idea of, oh, our, our, pre- our good hitting third baseman is good enough to be an asset as a first baseman or DH. I mean, right. he was last year, obviously, Miranda. But we have someone there most of the time. But in the Twins case right now, Alex Kirloff is at the top of the first base depth chart, but is not a sure thing to A, be a great hitter we need to see i mean it's been two right. years since he's looked like himself because of the uh the wrist surgeries and problems and and b m- could very easily not be on the opening day roster because of the recovery from the sure. from the wrist surgery and so you know you go and and the dh spot is wide open they're cy- they're gonna right. they're playing the cycle guys through so it's a really interesting situation because it's like okay miranda is going to be our third baseman oh whoop he can't throw his, sh- his shoulder is sore well couldn't we just play him at dh or maybe even first base occasionally and you go well yeah actually because first base might be wide open if kirloff's not ready to go and dh is potentially wide open and the other thing is one of the guys who likely in effect today is playing first base donovan solano uh, and will be in the dh mix as well especially against left-handed pitchers can just go to third and play third which he's played for hundreds of innings in his career. Yeah. And so it's not like, much last year, though. No, he played mostly first years. base in DH right. last yeah. year. But what I mean is, like, does it really matter that much on a given day, let's say against a left-handed pitcher in the regular season, whether it's Miranda at third and Solano at DH or Solano at third and Miranda at DH. Right. Yep. Now, you'd prefer Miranda point. plays Fair third. Point. And like you said, you know, Solano played third early in his career. I don't think he has a great arm, but he's a you know a good fielder. But he's thirty five. But you know they have Kyle Farmer, who's going to get action at third base for sure, regardless right. of Miranda's status. I think Nick Gordon could potentially play uh, a little bit of third base. Although I don't think we've seen him there this spring yet. Well, it's hard though. I mean, he guy play, guys plays fifteen positions. Right. There's only been like six games. Um, you know, you get down to if Kirilov, let's say, begins the season on the injured list. And or in the minors, and Miranda is your DH or whatever, you know that could open up a roster spot. Someone like I don't know Willie Castro or somebody right. uh, could play some third base. Obviously, that's far from ideal. I honestly wonder, like as this situation goes on, if Larnick, who's sidelined by like it sounds like a groin injury or a 
lower body injury. Yeah, it was a lower body injury that he yeah. got. He was hockey this, now. We should just mention he was upper body and lower body. Uh, we asked Baldelli about it, and he basically said, "I don't know." All I know is that I mean, this was right after the game, and we didn't. We haven't followed up with him, right? right. To our to our to our detriment. Uh, You're a horrible reporter. <laughs> I'd like you to leave. I mean, he got scratched just before the game on what Wednesday, Tuesday, uh, one of those games. And uh, right immediately afterwards, we asked Baldelli about like what what's happened, what's scratch. He said uh, some lower body injury. Yeah, and that's as much as he knew at the time. So right. But if there's a, I wonder like if Miranda is going to begin the season as a DH, let's say, and if Larnick and or Kirloff are not on the active opening day roster because of injuries or just you know health situation. Right. I mean, Ed Julian can play. Little third base, if they wanted well, that, to. Uh, this, I have, that I have, in college. I am I know. starting to pay a lot of attention to who's playing third base right now right. in these games. I mean, Willie Castro seems to have put himself in some right. in a very. Uh, I would not have guessed Willie Castro uh, has a chance of making this team. I'm not sure that Willie Castro does have a chance of making this team. Right, right? but uh, you know, he doesn't. Of, of the dark horses, he's looking right. like a pretty good bat. How about that? Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, probably had over a thousand at bats. I bet for the Tigers last three or four right. seasons, he can definitely play everywhere. I think he's a switch hitter. You know, he's not a, a great offensive player, but he's you know replacement level. He can play some third. He gives them a little bit more utility on the bench. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I, I, it's I, possible. Uh, we haven't seven seen, days from now, should, Miranda's we should, fine. We, and this we is, should mention Edward Julian has not seen any time at third base. Yeah, Nick Gordon has not seen any time at third base. I think it's been Kyle Farmer, Willie Castro. I don't know who else. I have to. I'd have to go back and take a look at all the guys. That Gary Gaetti, I think you said <laughs> hey, you watched the other day that. on the road. Yeah. No, I, and I'm not even saying like these guys would be the opening day third baseman. Right. I just mean if Solano, let's say, is playing third base or Farmer is playing third base, that's going to create a spot potentially for a, another infielder. Right. Um, yes. So yeah, that's that's worth monitoring. I don't think it's like the end of the world. Hopefully, with Miranda because. You know, at least in the short term, there isn't really that much functional difference between him being the DH and him being the third baseman as this roster is currently constructed. Defense was not going to be his strength anyway. Right. But, I mean, obviously they want him to play third, and that does open up much more possibilities for first base DH being home to to big bats like Kirilov and Larnick and guys like that. Or that, somebody that you acquire at the trade deadline. Right, but that like only that, matters right? if those guys are healthy enough to be in the mix anyway. Right. So in the short term... I don't know. I th- obviously, the hope is a couple weeks, Miranda's fine. He starts getting reps at third base. I, at that point, hopefully Kirilov and Larnick are fine, too, in which case they have some decisions to make that we've talked about since they added Solano. The other thing, um, from an injury standpoint, Hilberto Celestino uh, tore a ligament, ruptured a ligament. Right. I don't know the difference between torn and ruptured. Rupture means it came completely I don't know. off the... Uh, I don't know if that is the difference. Let's test it. I'm going to rupture something <laughs> on you, and I'm going to tear You've it. You've probably got ruptured stuff already. Oh, stuff. <laughs> I got all kinds of ruptured stuff. <laughs> I'm just a big pile of ruptured stuff. Uh, tore a uh, thumb ligament, the uh, ulnar collateral ligament in his thumb. Out six... I did not know we had an ulnar collateral ligament oh, in yeah. our thumbs. Yeah. yeah. They're everywhere, yeah. apparently. These stupid <laughs> ligaments. Um, out six to eight weeks. Which puts you at, uh, what is that? Puts you at May, basically, a return to some sort of action. 
it's a tough the, break for the, him. The Michael Taylor signing is looking pretty right. right about now. I mean, that's the thing, right? We've talked about Celestino a fair amount over the last couple of years. He was put into a real tough spot in 2021, basically making the jump from single A to the majors with a real brief stop at double A because they were so wrecked by outfield injuries right. at that point that he played, I forget what he played, 25, 30 games or something like that, and he was awful. Right. Like He didn't hit at all. He looked completely overmatched to the point that it was fair to look at him and go, this guy's a prospect, <laughs> but he was 21, and he had barely played above single A. So you go, okay, well, just, you know, let's scrap that. But then last season, guess what? They had a million outfield injuries again. Right. And he would have been on the team at some point, but nobody expected him to get, what did he get, 300 at-bats or something like that. 347 played appearances. Right. I mean, that's craziness. <laughs> right. And he, there were long stretches where he was basically an everyday player, uh, which... Well, it's even worse because he started out so hot. He looked very right. good. He had a because, bunch of singles. Yeah, in because the first basically month. they kept pitching him away, and the one thing he could do is hit an away pitch to the opposite right. field. Then they started pitching him inside. But so you have a guy who was called up way ahead of schedule when he was completely overmatched in twenty twenty one. Then you have a guy who was was used in twenty twenty two, but in a far bigger role than anybody wanted or intended. And again, got exposed as a player not ready and. Because of that, I think anybody who's watched Celestino, I think he's played 140-something major league games, anybody who's watched him is probably convinced he's not not very good. And <laughs> maybe that's the case, but I also wonder what would his path have looked like or what would his profile look like right now if he'd have spent 2021 at double-A with right. maybe a taste of triple-A and then he had spent last year four months at triple-A and then a late-season call up to the Twins when he would have had much more development time and all that. Oh, you're also talking about a guy who's just turned 24 right. years old and he was going to be in St. Paul. That is fine. That is a really right. good development path to be 24 years old at St. Paul. If we hadn't, like you said, if we'd have seen him all last year in double-A and right. maybe a little, you know, a stop in St. Paul last year was like, oh, he's 24 years old. He's doing this. We'd be like, oh, he's, he's right on track for, you know, yeah, maybe I mean, moving his way up and he'd have a lot better stats. <laughs> well, that's true too, yeah. But, and, but like you said, the twins, whether in reaction to how much he struggled on all phases last year right. or just, you know, wanting to stockpile depth, which has clearly been a priority at right. all corners of the roster. They brought, they traded from a gold glove winning veteran center fielder, Michael Taylor, Michael A. Taylor, to backup Byron Buxton. They signed Joey Gallo. They kept Max Kepler. Right. They, they've done all sorts of things. They kept Nick Gordon as an outfield option. They've done all sorts of things to stockpile outfield depths and flexibility there uh, and just numbers. And in doing so, they completely removed Celestino even coming into camp. Right. Was at no point considered, you know, in the likely mix for an opening day job. And so in that sense, this injury, while unfortunate for him, doesn't change his outlook as it relates to the the big league team to start the season. He was gonna be going to St. Paul, Triple A, right. probably, you know, gonna be It the affects St. Paul a lot. It does not necessarily affect uh, the twins that much. Right. I mean, he'll almost surely begin the season on the AAA injured list. Uh, I wonder who's played center field in St. Paul now. I mean, Austin Martin. Some. Maybe. Yeah, they got maybe. a bunch of guys. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, who else? There's one other. Mark Contreras. Oh, yeah. Contreras could. You're right. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know. John Bonus. Once we fix that <laughs> ruptured whatever you have. You should have seen. John and I went out last night with Phil. And we're walking to our car in the parking lot, and I'm like, man, your knee's rough. And he looks at me like, well, you're, you're shuffling on too, you old ass. You forget. 
making fun of him That's for it. shuffling yeah. a lot. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think it's it doesn't change his outlook. It delays kind of his, and which has already been delayed by basically two years, his ability to just kind of be a normal prospect right. by another two months. But hopefully by May, he's able to get back in the lineup. That gives him a couple months maybe at AAA, and then you kind of reassess. Maybe there's some injuries around the all-star break, he can re-enter the picture in the second half. Maybe he struggles at right. AAA, and right. you say, okay, this guy's 24. Do we still believe in him as a as a longish-term, you know, fourth outfielder, platoon player, something like that? I do think he has the skill set to do it. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, an impact everyday player, but he can definitely go get it in center field. He has a very strong, if erratic, arm, he, similar to his base running. He's very fast, but you know, erratic, I would right. say mistake prone. And, you know, as a right-handed bat, it, it wouldn't take much for him to be useful in a, you know, 250, 300 at bat role uh, if he can. Right. I mean, of all the things that you would think you can make an adjustment to, the one is pulling the ball and hitting it hard. Like that seems to be the, his biggest adjustment that he needs to be able to make. He can, he can, what, what, players struggle with is going the opposite way. That's the thing he can do. Pulling a ball and hitting it hard, especially as you turn 24, 25, 26, feels like a very natural progression. Well, but right, but it's possible he just can't do that. Well, it's possible. It's not really an I mean, it's an adjustment from like an approach standpoint, but like, you know, hitting the ball hard is not something that everyone can do. That's, I I mean, mean, he can can barrel it up well enough going opposite. See, but you're giving him credit for that. I think that's not necessarily something to be credited for. Derek Jeter had inside out swing and you know did it 3200 times or whatever <laughs> going the opposite field Aaron Gleeman as a uh, Highland Little League uh, second baseman went used that opposite field like Derek Jeter because he couldn't catch up to fastballs <laughs> well maybe you know maybe, what I mean maybe. he had a slow ass <laughs> swing right, so he right. would just loop singles and I think it's it's easy to say oh the the pitchers adjusted to him because his one ability last year was to slap singles right. to right field and that's true First of all, there was luck involved in that. I mean, he had like a 460 on, uh, batting average on balls in play. Well, maybe. There ain't no skill in the world that gets a f- that. And so, yeah, they started busting him inside. But I, I don't know that it took an adjustment. I think those would have dried up on their own. And so, yeah, you can look at it and go, I do think Celestino is more patient than his numbers suggest. Like he's a more disciplined hitter than you might think. Right. Uh, but I don't know that I look at him and go, you know, he's got this great inside-out swing, and he's just going to wear out right field. I think it's more like, yeah, he got some blue pits, and he got a couple yeah. of choppers that went through. I mean, that's I'm, not a bad skill to have, but I, I don't know. He, You need to, like you said, he needs to pull the ball. That might not be doable. We'll see. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. He needs, was... to, he needs to have, like, a half season at AAA. Give him right. three no, months at AAA, that... and let's, re- right. let's evaluate what he could do against – you know, lower end major league caliber pitchers or fellow prospects instead of evaluating what a 22 year old, you know, fish out of water right. overmatch could do because a lot of stuff's going to look different. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't have pinned this as a big year for Celestino. Right. But it, <laughs> I was very curious about what I would see from Celestino this year and when I would start seeing it. Right. You know, I, I would expect him to, you know, continue to be the book on him is pitch him hard inside. Triple A pitchers can pitch hard inside too. Now, yep. maybe not as well as major league pitchers, but they can do it. Uh, let's see how he he adjusts right. to that at AAA. And then I would like to see, you know, if he can do it. I mean, the, did, the dude threw up a, 
you know, almost 800 OPS two years ago in double A AA and triple A over 300 at bats. Like, no, he was legit, <laughs> right? But like, as know, a center fielder, like B level prospect yeah. when they got him, right? The the tools are there, right? And I just I just wonder so often with prospects, the context is not only key for like evaluating their actual production. Like you need to know, well, this guy hit 250, but did he hit 250 in the Pacific Coast League where the ball flies, or did he hit 250 in the Florida State League where it's impossible to hit fly balls over the fence? <laughs> that makes, but but even beyond that, the bigger context a lot of times is, you know, we saw it with Simeon Woods Richardson, the Blue Jays sent him to Double A at 20. And he sucked. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. You can either look at that and <laughs> right. go, boy, he's not a good pitcher. Or you can go, well, what the hell is he doing there at 20 or 21? <laughs> right. Last year at AA at 22, which, by the way, is still very young, he was great. And so I wonder how much of that affects how we look at Celestino, how the twins look at Celestino. It's also possible he's just not that good. I mean, that's right. most likely. So before we get to uh, Jordan Balzavic update, yes, uh, let's talk a little bit about Raycon. Uh, which I took with me. I took my Raycons uh, here for uh, transcribing purposes when we, when we need to block out the <laughs> babbling of John Bonus next to me in the press box <laughs> while I'm attempting to do work. Uh, I use my work. I, uh, I am the talky one, yeah. Yeah. Of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the. I guess. Depends if there's the something to be complained about, it's me talking. <laughs> if there's just BSing, you it's you talking. Uh, but I took my uh, earbuds, my uh, wireless earbuds which are uh which are great raycon i like two things about them three things about them good battery life which is key if you're just kind of wearing them all day right uh two super easy from like a hookup bluetooth connection standpoint right. which i'm an idiot so right. like i love that there, it, it remembers it and it hooks up very rarely do you actually have to press an extra button to make it work. And then the other big one, which I know you guys go running with them in your ears, right. is key with this third thing, which is the actual feel or fit in your ear is better than I've experienced with other brands. And what I like about all three things that you kind of mentioned is they're not always that critical with head uh, with earphones. But they are critical with wireless earbuds. Right. You know, those are the, that's the, that's the difference. And that's what makes Raycon so special is. It's just well engineered. It's hard to kind of get this stuff right. It's a very art. It's an art form in terms of you got to have the technical part, but it also has to be like something you can understand and hear and use, and it's easy to use. And you can just press a button, and you know whether or not it's connected or if it's disconnected. All these other little, these tiny little cues that are important from a uh, engineering perspective. So you can go to buy Raycon, B U Y, like buying it. Buy Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash Gleeman. You get 15% off any Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Gleeman to score that 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Gleeman. And then our, our next Native sponsor, deodorant. I, I mean, listen, we'll, we'll, go, Vito in we'll, Florida. Go, we'll go to the basics of native deodorant. Yeah, we are in Florida. We are currently <laughs> in Florida. Stuck in a, like an eight by six room <laughs> together with the, the with the with the window closed, yeah, and the door closed. <laughs> That's right. If John didn't have a, on his native deodorant, I don't think we could <laughs> continue this podcast. And I'm comfortable because, first of all, I don't smell, and second of all, because I know what I'm putting on myself. Yeah. I'm not putting on a bunch of strange chemicals or aluminium yeah. or any of the other goofy things that well, you, you said that like a English. British. I said that. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd throw that in there. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, you know, one of the the points of native is. You know all the ingredients that they're putting in because they list them right there, and it's stuff you'll recognize Ooh. as opposed to... And let me give you one more thing that I love about them. They have a great little travel size one. 
Yeah. And that is not a part of the talking points of this, but I've gone and bought native deodorant myself. And when I went and bought native deodorant myself, one of the things they offered, I was like, would you like to get a little travel size one as well? The little travel size one is like the size of two little chapstick things. It's fantastic. It's perfect. So perfect uh, travel size. Right now, you can go to native, D-E-O, D-E-O, like deodorant, nativedeo.com slash Gleeman. Use the promo code Gleeman when you check out. And you will get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Gleeman. Use the promo code Gleeman at checkout for 20% off your first order. Okay. So Jordan Balzovic, uh <laughs> went out on February 11th, which was like the Saturday before people started reporting the spring training. Right. Got here next Pitchers and catchers reported on the 14th, I think, 15th. Yeah. Uh, right. So he got here nice and early. That's good. <laughs> uh, went out downtown uh, Fort Myers around midnight. He said uh, he got cold cock. He got well. He got somebody punched him in the face twice. Sounds like um, and knocked him down. Although he says not out. That was some for some reason very important to him that he wasn't knocked out uh, and it, it, broke his it jaw. Speaks to the concussion possibilities. I suppose uh, broke his jaw and there was. You know, the, the twins talked about it first because he was hospitalized overnight and he had surgery to uh, on the jaw to wire his mouth shut and all that. So he wasn't in a position to physically talk for a while. And so Falvey talked about it and Baldelli talked about it and all that. And then uh, a few days ago, we did a scrum, you know, a group media session with Balazovic, whose mouth was still wired shut at the time. Correct. And will be for like another 10 days. Yeah. Like said. And so he you know, talked through clenched teeth and answered as much as he could. There were a few points where he said, well, you know, I can't really say more because there's, it's an ongoing, they're still looking for the guy. But I thought that the two points that he made and reiterated over and over during this, and he was asked, you know, every possible way by the, I don't know, half dozen media members who were there. He says that he did absolutely nothing to provoke the person who struck him and didn't even know who it was, like didn't see it coming. There was no chance for him to fight back. Uh, he called it. He said he would agree with the characterization of it, of a sucker punch. Right. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's a weird situation. I know just from reading the comments and on Twitter and anybody who hears a story like this, if your it's friend, hard to believe. if your friend said I was out somewhere and I didn't do anything and somebody just broke my jaw with a punch, you'd be like, what? <laughs> and so there's some of that but i mean i don't know what to, to, to say about that we can ask him about it we can ask the twins about it which we've done the he was he was hospitalized for one night um now he's got the the mouth wired shut but he's able to talk and everything the biggest key that he basically said you know he's missing out on pitching in spring training games which was important because he wanted to kind of reestablish himself on a very you know poor year Health-wise and performance-wise at AAA, dealt with some knee problems early. Basically, never got right because mechanically, he said, you know, he couldn't his his plant leg or his, he couldn't plant. He couldn't get sort of uh, the the normal mechanics. So his his velocity suffered a little right. bit. His control suffered. He just his got, knee was moving all around. Right. Basically, is what he was saying. He right. just got yeah. annihilated at AAA. Although he finished on a relative high note with like four or five decent outings to end it to end on a high note because as he pointed out the other day, well, my knee actually kind of started to feel right at that point. So I right. felt like myself, which is good news. Um, but in the meantime now, he's going to be shedding weight 
if he's not careful. I mean, he's like six four, six he already five. Was shedding weight because right. I mean, one of the things that happened during the initial part of this is he couldn't do anything, and he was he was losing weight. Right. Now he seems to be on a smoothie diet. With- yeah, he said that the <laughs> Twins nutrition staff is making him one thousand calorie smoothies, <laughs> right. uh, and he's been. He said while he's at the facility, he's been doing like six a day. <laughs> Protein powder and yeah, just peanut butter and uh, bananas, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it was funny. Some I might have been Phil, who was like, "Are they good?" <laughs> Would have never occurred to me. I could have asked him ten thousand questions. He's like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Actually, yeah." And I was like, "We're like, Ooh, can we get a? Can we taste this?" Because I'm on the six thousand calorie a day diet, but slightly different. I, I get mine on fried but chicken. But yours, yours is pretty good too. Yeah, it's just I blend it. Listen, it's been years since someone has been worried about me keeping weight on. So I'll say that. But I mean, yeah, the key for him is it sounds like hopefully next week. He'll be able to start throwing again, get back onto a mound. The idea of him being in a game at this point might be off the table this spring, but it doesn't sound like he'll be super far behind in terms of the AAA schedule. And yes. it's similar to Celestino in that he wasn't going to be on the opening day roster anyway. Right. I mean, there was no chance of that right. healthy, whatever. And so the goal for him is, you know, get relatively healthy and don't lose a bunch of weight in the meantime so that you're at a disadvantage just physically and start the season don't get sucker punched again well that's also good don't <laughs> maybe go out at midnight or whatever says two guys who were out at, <laughs> at midnight, midnight in fort myers last night right, yeah. nobody tried to fight me other than phil uh, <laughs> although uh you know we could probably good both use a good sucker punch truth be told <laughs> so that's part of our new weight loss plan <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't do the thousand, right? Get sucker punched. We don't do the don't smoothies. Do yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, I had jaw surgery when I was like thirteen, maybe, and I had my mouth wired shut, not because it was just like corrective, right. basically. <laughs> I found a workaround, which was uh, spaghettios. Oh, all right. And I would just eat like twelve cans of spaghettios a day, and I think I probably got fatter. <laughs> Honestly, because first we went and bought like all these protein shakes and stuff right, like that, right. and they tasted horrible. This was twenty something. Yeah, right. Years ago. Yeah, and I didn't have a nutrition staff. It was my mom going to Cub <laughs> right. Foods or whatever, and they were horrible. And I'm like, how? I'm not, I think I had to do it for like a month, something like that, or two months. I was like, how can I do this? And I realized, oh, you can just inhale soup, basically. Or right. SpaghettiOs, which we had a lot of when I was a kid. So that's, Jordan Belzava gets sick of those really healthy options. He can just <laughs> dump a can of SpaghettiOs in the microwave. Let me have to see if I can talk to your mom about how she talked you into wiring your mouth shut for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the other funny thing. Though, I remember two things about that. Uh, was like, like I said, I was like 13. And they told me, you can't eat anything for like, I don't know. It must have been like six, eight weeks or something like that. And they also told me, like, you shouldn't go anywhere for a while. And so I remember three things. One, like I said, I started just getting calories by way of SpaghettiOs and soup. Uh Number two is that's the first time I watched The Godfather Uh because someone brought over the trilogy for me to watch on VHS, by the way. That's how long it was. Michael Crowley so had his mouth sh- wired shut at part well, of that's, that's why. Yeah. That's probably why they thought of Maybe. it. Maybe. But that was a highlight because that's a great movie. I've right. seen it a thousand times. And then the other thing is. Did I'm, you watch the whole trilogy? You watched yeah. the third one too? Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know it was bad. I was a kid. I didn't know it was bad. <laughs> I was kind of like, what happened? It's a completely different. Anyway. Uh, and then like a week in when I'm supposed to not be leaving the house, I took a trip, I believe, to sh- a road trip with my dad to Chicago for a baseball card convention and i remember thinking 
I feel fine. Like I, I'm a little swollen and my j- jaw's wired shut and everything. And then by the time we got there, I was like in immense pain and the swelling oh, had like gotten no. bad. But at that point, it's like, well, you can either drive back or you can try to buy some Jordan rookie cards and do some <laughs> stuff. So that was my experience. Wow. If Jordan Belzovic needs any uh, <laughs> similar to how I have been uh, extremely helpful to Royce Lewis about I'm his ACL you didn't recovery. Volunteer the SpaghettiOs solution. Yeah, maybe I'll just put some in his locker. Sure. Yeah. Here's some SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend the ones with the meatballs in it because we don't know what that. It's not even meat. Um, <laughs> so yes. It's uh, it's an unforced error, obviously. Right. It's another speed bump for a guy who could have used some who had a smooth a, path. Who here. had a, a huge speed bump last right. year. Ran into a wall last year. Right. Um. But you know, he seemed he seemed in relatively good spirits. Yeah, he did. Uh, I give him credit for you know standing up Coming and answering to us, questions yeah. about it. For you know what, on fifteen minutes or something like that, you know, obviously there are aspects of this story that seem very odd, right? But I, beyond that, you know, I don't know how to really take that. He says he didn't, you know, provoke anyone. He says he didn't see it coming. He says he didn't say anything to the guy. You know, whether you can infer something like that, who knows? I'm not really in position to say. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, what I'm and Twins fans are probably concerned about is. Well, can he get back healthy? Can yeah. he start pitching it? It only matters if, it, if crap like right. this happens again. Well, that's the other thing. And I think <laughs> right. there was some confusion, it seemed. People saying, well, he claims he did nothing wrong. First of all, that's his version of it. But why were the twins seemingly somewhat critical or frustrated right. by their initial comments like Derek Falvey? But I think you can even read into that. They just felt like, you know, you're out a couple of days before spring training you had a, a bar at midnight in downtown Fort Myers. Like, not that you are deserving of getting punched in the face or no, something. No, I like think that. everybody who's at a bar in Fort Myers deserves to be punched. You, in the I'm face. really. I'm not going to go out with you again. <laughs> now that you're saying this, now I feel like you and Phil are going to like do the thing where the one guy kneels behind you and they push you down. <laughs> you know? yeah. I feel like you guys can do that. <laughs> I like to see it stand up after you did that kneel down to that trick. But yeah, so that's where Balazovic. I mean, it's similar to to Celestino, it might keep him from kind of beginning the season on time with triple with the saints, but it might not. I mean, honestly, he's got a month till the start of the triple A season. Like they may keep him in extended spring training for a little bit. They may put him on the IL for a little bit, but I would suspect by late April or early May, certainly it should be kind of business as usual for them, for, for him. And then we can just get back to kind of evaluating is the knee right? Is the fastball velocity closer to 95 than 90? Right. Is he missing bats? Is he getting clobbered consistently? Because this is a huge year for him. I mean, this time last year, he was a consensus top 100 global prospect. Like, there was an argument for him being the best Twins pitching prospect in the entire organization. And now a year later, you know, I wrote this, like, it's it would be very hard for a pitching prospect stock to fall further in 12 months without a major arm injury involved. Right. Now, there was a knee injury involved right. and now there's a jaw injury involved, but just from a performance standpoint, you very rarely see a 23-year-old, I guess he was last year, I think, just have a seven and a half ERA for a right. sustained months-long period I, in uh, the minor leagues. I wondered uh, one of the one of the uh, reporters in the scrum asked, I don't remember exactly which one it was, basically something like, you know, last year they could have really used a lot of pitching. There wasn't right. a lot of really good pitching sitting at AAA. This year, 
you know, even if you came back right now, you're probably fourth or right. fifth of lets, the guys that let some guys right now. gain on them. You know what I mean? I mean, not just gain. Yeah, pass. Louis Varlin. Yeah, I mean, he got passed in the in the uh, right. driver's lane. You know, for by three, four, five people. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a tough situation. We'll we'll see if he can, you know, find his find his high gear again. If you got punched in the face at a bar. And broke okay. your jaw. Yeah. Let's say by someone named like Aaron G. Mm-hmm. Or actually, no, not Aaron G. Let's call it uh, A. Gleeman. <laughs> Did it. I don't want to like reveal too much about who it could be. <laughs> Do you think that would have any effect on your interest in going to bars in the future? Do you think that would in any way lessen the number of times in an average month, let's say, that you went to bars? Well, I'd be on a liquid diet first. Well, right. I don't mean like the literal like <laughs> next three weeks, but I'm saying I'd be on liquid oh, diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You'd be like probably increase. What's my the highest right. calorie? <laughs> yeah, you'd be at whatever brewery I, I, I serves want, like I want, a I malt. Want the, I want the big malty stout. Is what I want. Yeah, that's right. Right. what a silly question to ask, John <laughs> Uh Before we get to some spare news and notes for the twins, let's do our last sponsor, which is BetterHelp. Yes, uh, we've talked before about BetterHelp. It's here's here's how it works. If you've been having some issue in your life and you've thought yeah i could talk i could really use could someone to, to talk to about this <laughs> yeah right whether it's therapy whether it's just talking something through but i know from experience that there are barriers for entry for that which is right. some days you wake up and you go you know what i'd like to talk to somebody and then you go oh i gotta go through insurance and i gotta make three phone calls and i gotta see who i can go to and then i gotta schedule an appointment i gotta get the, references i gotta right. find you who, who do my friends like by the time you figure right. that out the the wave of i want to do this <laughs> right. has passed yeah. a lot of the time That's and so the beauty of better help is within a day or two you can sign up you can talk to real licensed therapists who can help you with real problems and if you want to do a video chat with them, you can do that. If you say, I don't want to be on camera, you can do an audio-only chat. If you're like right. me, some days where you go, I don't want to be on the phone even, you can just type like a live a chat, chat with right. somebody. Yeah. They will tailor it to what you need. Uh, and let's see. What is the uh, – If you can go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Yes. Help.com slash Gleeman. Uh, you're going to go to uh, BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman and you're going to get 10%. Off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gleeman. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Okay. Um, yeah, let's just run through some of these. Yeah. We got we got 18 minutes till I got to go downstairs and try to interview <laughs> Louis Varley. So, uh, Louis, if you're hearing this, well, you figured out time travel, actually. This, <laughs> so never mind. Um I was going to interview him two days ago, but he was—he seemed so into the crossword puzzle that he was doing, and they've been. Maybe con- he could use some help. Yeah, but I'm not—I'm no good on that. Maybe he could use some better help, John. We, Maybe we, we <laughs> right. dot com yeah. slash Gleeman. We talked about um, Correa debuting, and he's actually going to be leaving camp. He opted out of the WBC, which he would have been leaving camp about a week from now. But he's going right. to be leaving camp because his wife's going to go into labor right. with their second child. So he's got another uh, roughly well, handful of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, he's in the lineup today, I know, later today. Okay, uh, Buxton and Polanco have not debuted yet. I mean, like, there are other players. Like, Kirilov hasn't debuted, but there's a reason for that. But Buxton and Polanco are the the big names that haven't debuted. I asked Baldelli two days ago. And Kirilov. I just said that. Oh, okay. So he's injured. Got, right, right. They're not injured. I mean, they in don't. theory. Um <laughs> He said 
there's no like specific timeline or specific like oh they can't play. He indicated that Polanco will probably be debuting before Buxton whenever that comes. Okay. I honestly think knowing what I know about how Buxton does things during a season, he doesn't even take batting practice on the field. Very, I mean, very rarely. He hits in the cage. It wouldn't surprise me if, from his standpoint and from the team standpoint, he was like, I don't really need to play in games. Like, he's doing his work like he normally mm-hmm. does behind the scenes, in the cage, in the weight room, in the trainer's room, all that stuff. And you do want him to get some game reps. But as Correa pointed out the other day when someone said, how did you decide March 1st for the debut? And he joked, well, it's not like I've been sitting on the couch watching these games. Like, <laughs> right. And in fact, it's much easier to get bulk at bats taking live BP you know, in a cage or whatever. You know, you can get 50 at-bats in an hour instead of three at-bats in two and a half hours. Right. Right. Now, obviously, there's some value in game action. I think just from the Twins fans' emotional standpoint, it would be nice to see Polanco and Buxton right. running around a little bit out there looking healthy, you know, of course. whatever. But I wouldn't... Also, why? I mean, just from their standpoint, that's what you want to do. Like, you like playing baseball more than you like sitting in the cage. Yeah, but nobody play. likes playing spring training. But <laughs> well... Nobody... That's the thing. Nobody cares. And so... You know, before the start of the season, you're going to want to see these guys play a handful of games, obviously. But, you know, I think there's more things going on behind the scenes to prepare a guy for the season than there would be seeing them for two hours on TV or at yeah, Hammond Field. So, I don't know. I just caution against reading a super a lot into that so far. We'll I mean, see. And they are also, what, still almost four weeks away from yes from first game. So. Yeah, you forget how long spring training is after the last few years where it's been <laughs> well, short it's short, spring. Yeah, and, right. yeah. Uh, let's see. We talked, well, so Kent Maeda pitched yesterday for the second time. <laughs> and I don't know that I believe the story. Uh, I saw it was like a headline <laughs> thing on ESPN. Um, the story being yesterday at the Trop, they were playing the Rays, and there were like eight people there in a giant ballpark, so there was an echo. And they were using PitchCom, which very softly says the pitch. That's how it works to communicate right. between the catcher and the pitcher. And supposedly, after his two innings of work, which he threw two scoreless innings, but he gave up a couple singles and a walk or something like that, uh, the umpire informed Baldelli. Hey, we could hear that. We could hear, and the hitters could hear it. They literally could hear what pitches were being called. <laughs> and then Baldelli like one, said to Kent, like, oh, just so you know, that's what just happened. <laughs> right. You just went two innings with they, them knowing what pitch you were throwing yeah. at every one. I don't right. know that I believe that. I believe it could have been heard. Or, well, I, I, t- I tell you this. Uh, we heard. It doesn't say great things about the Rays lineup. Let's when, put it that way. When Nick tweeted about it. Uh, one of the responses was, I was watching the game, and you could hear this robotic voice saying, right. change up. Really? <laughs> while, while the mic was picking it I up mean, maybe sometime. it's possible. I just, <laughs> it seems uh, strange. Like, I, one or two pitches, yeah. Right. But, like, he threw, what did he throw, 30-something pitches, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, right. And they couldn't score a run knowing what pitches were. <laughs> I guess that says a lot about Kenta Maeda. It's good, good news, I guess. It's good shape. So, yeah, so far he's uh, he's looked pretty good through three innings. One inning, first time out, two innings yesterday. It sounds like they're just going to do three innings next, then four innings, then that, five. The, the hope is, or the goal is to kind of get him to a point where he can go five-plus, uh, you know, to begin the season in the in the opening day rotation. 
you know, it, so far so good with him. Well, with the extra, with what now seems like almost a luxurious amount of time for spring training, like you said, yeah. it doesn't feel like they're pushing these pitchers in the first couple outings very much no. at all. Like There's Ober no went, to. I think, nineteen pitches the other day. You know, often the only reason that sticks out to us is because usually it's a thirty pitch first time out. Like we've generally seen that. I think in the past it's about thirty pitches for the first time out, and that, you know they've got a little extra time, so they're taking it. Uh, Ober, speaking of him. Pitched, uh, what, two days ago, topped out at 94.2 miles an hour, which is matches his hardest pitch he's ever thrown in a regular <laughs> season game. Uh, he averaged 93 point something, which is like almost two miles an hour faster than he averaged with his fastball last season. Right. And we've seen this from Bailey Ober before. I mean, Bailey Ober, when he was drafted, College of uh, Charleston, I think he was like a 12th round pick in 2017, I want to say. Uh, you know, he was six foot nine, but he was a soft tosser. And that made him kind of a novelty act because he would post these great numbers because he was an extreme strike thrower. He would miss bats, but then people would watch him and they go, well, he throws 87 miles an hour. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Then during the 20, and he had some lingering injuries and stuff. Then the, during the 2020 downtime, they worked with him to kind of get him into better shape. Smooth out the mechanics, which is a big issue when you're six foot nine. Right. Uh, and he came out of the into 2021 and had really a breakout. Right. Yeah. Because he was yeah. throwing 90 to 92 instead of right. you know 87 to 89, and that made a huge difference. And then we saw that even further last year, where he added like another mile an hour. And then the biggest change I thought last year was like in the middle of last year, he tweaked his slider to start throwing that harder to make it closer a closer match. To the what was an increased fastball, fastball because there had been a as the fastball rose in velocity and the slider stayed the same, there was a much bigger gap, which made it easier for hitters to differentiate. And so, middle of last season, he bumped the slider up a little bit, a couple miles an hour, and that really seemed to pay off. He was hurt a lot last year with some nagging injuries, but he pitched really well when he pitched, and especially down the stretch, he pitched really well. And as Baldelli said when we asked him about him two days ago, he's never not pitched well for us. That's not the issue with Bailey Oak. Probably has been keeping him healthy. Right. The issue was just these nagging sort of you know, groin and hamstring and, and that sort of thing. So, it's it's good news that Ober continues to throw harder. Yeah. I mean, I think he you wouldn't recognize him other than the fact that he's six nine, but <laughs> you wouldn't even he looks he's nothing right. like the version they drafted. Right. I mean, he's added legitimately added like six to seven miles an hour on his fastball, uh, and so to have him as your number six starter, right? Is, I mean, he won't make the team if everybody stays home, right? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and he's too good for Triple A. I mean, he's. He's got a what three eighty ERA in like a hundred fifty innings in the majors. It's but that's a hell of a luxury right. uh, to have as your sixth starter. Uh, along those same lines, Tyler Malley uh, made his official spring debut yep. a couple of days ago and averaged ninety four point one with his fastball. <laughs> yeah, lots of ninety fours, which is uh, huge because in the four starts he made for the Twins, I believe he went like ninety three, ninety one, eighty eight. 90 as like the average right. and there were a few pitches in there that really sent the alarm bells going where he was like 85 miles an hour and they removed him from the game but yeah when he's right he's 94 95 with the fastball he pitches a lot with his fastball so that's key so yeah so far so good with tyler malley i mean he only threw an inning the other day right. but he seemed enthused to the point that when he gets asked about the shoulder and the velocity he basically says yeah i feel i feel fine like i'm right but i will caution that he said that 
last season <laughs> that is correct. in between leaving starts early. So, but he looks good so far. Um, the one other thing, uh, really, all the way uh, through the, f- the whole first week, mm-hmm. all of the starting rota- starting pitchers have looked at pretty encouraging. All the pitchers are right. growing faster than ever. It's right. incredible. Right. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit, but it's a it's an interesting. If it continues, it's going to be a, a storyline in camp. Pablo Lopez, we're going to finally see Sunny Gray today. I mean, we did see him in live BP, but we're going right. to finally see him throw uh, for real today. Pablo Lopez was throwing hard as well. I mean, it's been a real encouraging start for. Yeah, this, there's this young soft tosser named Duran who's got his <laughs> fastball all the way up to uh, right. 93. Oh, no, wait, 103. Oh, wow, that's a lot different. Uh, Ed Juli- Edward Julian, Eddie Julian, right. has been a very hot topic uh, in camp. <laughs> we could talk about him a lot here, and we will, but he's about to leave soon for the WBC also for Team Canada. We spent like a solid 25 minutes of the the most recent Patreon episode, the mailbag episode, just talking about Ed Julian. Right. Talking about that his That was path. the most question in right. the mailbag. Right. So if you so. want to hear a, a lengthy discussion about him, you know, how he got to this point, what his potential role could be on the twins, skill set wise, what we've learned from talking to him, all that stuff, go subscribe to the Patreon. P A T R E O N Patreon.com slash Gleeman. They're a buck an episode. You can go listen to that one for free because you get the yeah, archives sign up, yeah. for free when you sign up. But yeah, we did a solid 25 minutes on, on Ed Julian um, who's got what, three homers and he's been playing second base <laughs> right. quite a bit. Uh, almost hit a lefty on lefty homer yesterday. Fly, flew out to the uh, yep. to the warning track. But um, let me just run through a couple other, couple other things. Ronnie Henriquez, potential reliever candidate, is been shut down with elbow soreness. No yeah. real update on him. Uh, they claimed. A, By the way, if you're looking for a potential, you know, spring training and who's going to make the roster battle, I think watching the third and fourth innings, or uh, the innings right after the uh, pitcher, the starting pitcher leaves recently, has been somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, we've got there. I'm almost sure they're going to at least try to have one long reliever on this on the opening day roster. Uh, you've got you know Cole Sands finding some time there. You've got Randy Dobnik finding some time there. You look for the guys who are doing a couple of doing multiple innings after the starter. Those are the guys that I think are competing for the long relief job. Right. So. They claimed a right-handed reliever, Dennis Santana, off waivers, who throws hard and has very bad control, and gave up like a right thousand foot homer to Jake Cave the other day. <laughs> right, yes. uh, they signed a right-hander, Jeff Hoffman, to a minor league deal, who's pitched quite a bit in the majors for the Rockies right. and then recently with the Reds. Uh, so they could potentially be in the bullpen mix. So those are two new additions to the, you know, right. the training game. Um, the big, I mean, honestly, we've talked about this, but like, I think it's clearer now than ever that there are definitely at minimum one and possibly two or even three bullpen spots, I don't want to say up for grabs, but in com- for, you know, there's a competition for them at this point. I think... Yeah. Jorge Alcala is no sure thing to be on the roster because of performance or effectiveness, but also he's coming back from elbow surgery, so he needs to show Although that he's velocity. healthy. He's been pretty good. Yeah, but velocity ain't the problem with him. No, I know. Uh, but yes, he was throwing, I don't know, 95 the other day, yeah. basically. And then I think Trevor McGill's spot is not locked in. He had a horrible outing uh, two st- appearances ago and then bounced back with a 1-2-3 inning uh, in his last appearance, which he needs to do. Uh, right. So yeah, and you mentioned the long relief component. If they want a long reliever, then that's a almost an entirely different pool right. of potential players to pick from. Many of whom are starters, converted starters, and or prospects. Um, so yeah, that I would say 
it sounds like, assuming he doesn't implode or stop throwing strikes, Giovanni Moran is somewhat locked in or penciled in really? as a reliever. Really? More so than McGill and Alcala. Hmm. Um, but that still leaves two spots you know, up for competition. And obviously, when I say he's penciled in, it's not – I mean, he's got 40 innings in the majors, Moran. So, I mean, right. that could change. But I think those are the, the biggest competitions for the – I guess it would be the seventh and eighth reliever, but that yeah, could be right. sixth, seventh, and eighth reliever, and one of those could be a long reliever as opposed to right. what we more traditionally think of as like a McGill type or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, two of the long relief candidates would be Henriquez, <laughs> and who's Winder. hurt, yeah. and Winder, who's right, you know, possibly going to be pitching relatively soon, but has been out of commission. And then the last thing I have on the bullpen. You know what this means? This probably means Cole Sands in the lead for that last roster spot. There. See, Doe was saying that too because Cole Sands complimented his sunglasses the other day. So he's his favorite player. I'm now. saying because Cole Sands is on the 40 man roster and Aaron Sanchez and Rodney right. Dobnik are not. But, but, the, but they, they can find room on the 40 right. man roster. The right thing now. about the bullpen is like, okay. Right. They've got a couple of guys who are going to go on the 60 day DL. Or maybe have they taken moved both of them off now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but the other thing is, let's say, I'm just picking it, McGill. Right. If McGill doesn't make the team, are you keeping him on the 40-man roster at AAA? He's 30. If he's not good enough to be in your opening day bullpen at age 30, having spent most of last year with you in the majors, yeah, what I are mean, you <laughs> waiting to see from him? That could, I mean, any reliever who doesn't make the, for, for that matter, Dennis Santana is on the 40-man roster. Right. Well, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, he doesn't have options remaining. Right. So he either makes the opening day roster or he's getting dropped from the 40-man roster. In a, so, yes, in, it's an advantage for a guy like Cole Sands or I don't know, Brent Hedrick or guys right. like that yeah. to be on the 40-man roster just because it simplifies adding them. Like you can just go, well, yeah, we'll take them as a long reliever. They shuttle back and forth, whatever. Whereas some guys have to be added to the 40-man roster. All I would say on that is, especially when it comes to relievers at this point of year, if a guy, if a reliever, a non-prospect reliever, journeyman type of guys, right. or, you know, doesn't make the opening day bullpen, their spot on the 40-man roster is almost by definition at risk or sort of expendable. Yeah, like if, if you don't think Dennis right. Santana at age yeah, 27 fair. is worthwhile to keep on the opening day roster. You can just drop him from the 40 man. I think the same thing might apply to McGill, although not quite as cut and dry with that. And there are some other guys in that spot too. So I don't know. I wouldn't like if a reliever who's not on the 40 man roster stands out in camp and they fall in love with them and they think this guy could be the eighth reliever. We'd really like where there's a long reliever. I don't think it's going to be a problem finding a to spot. find a spot on the 40 right i mean because the bullpen but but i i, I don't think they're gonna I, I don't think you've ever fallen in love with a log reliever nobody goes like boy randy dobnik is gonna be the big difference now i was just saying listen do we care whether it's cole sands or randy right. dobnik handling the mop-up innings when uh when we're down by six no first of all care. i ran into randy dobnik and his wife the other day at a sushi <laughs> restaurant they seem lovely, and you know what? She appeared to have fallen in love with a long reliever. Now. So that goes exactly <laughs> against everything you said. That's a fair point. A fair Imagine point. how insulted you'd be. You don't fall in love with a podcast. Podcaster. <laughs> That's probably true. I'd, I'd much rather fall in love with a long reliever than a podcaster. I cannot imagine dating a podcaster. You're always at risk of them telling some dumbass story. I don't think you're going to have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you don't think Becky? That's They should start the, the Chrissy and Becky show. <laughs> Where it's just uh, contradicting details of stories we've told, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like now an episode. He made that up. Yeah. That's that, made, that, completely made that, up. That up. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then the last uh, bullpen item, and the last item, and then I'm going to go downstairs to the clubhouse, but uh, Jorge Lopez pitched in red, at the Red Sox ballpark. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Thank you. Monday. Monday. Several days ago. Monday. <laughs> and it was funny. He seemed, leading up to that, almost like worried that he his velocity was low right to the point that we were like almost confused talking to him saying like is there an like he's almost like hinting at some injury right and so you know he was in live bps last week he was throwing like 92 93 and we're like okay well maybe he's among the guys who aren't throwing as hard as ever because that's more common in years past the guy ramps up and everything but then you talk to him and he'd be like yeah i'm a little worried about that like and it's almost like we were thinking did we miss an injury here like And so then, but he, also just sort of that's just having how, a different definition of the word health, right? You know, because he, right there's he, a language he, barrier. Language barrier, right? Yeah. Uh, English is a sec is a second language, obviously. But so then he goes out uh, at JetBlue, which is the Red Sox, and throws ninety seven <laughs> uh, with his fastball, right. and you know he leaves the game. We go down to talk to him mid game. It's like how'd that feel? And he's like, "Oh, I'm, I feel great. Like I'm relieved." It was almost like he was relieved. <laughs> and then I've still mu- got it. Baby. Multiple people, including John. John finally just said, "Wait, were you saying you were hurt, or what the hell's going on here?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh no, I'm feeling fine." And then thirty seconds later, he's saying the same stuff. And I do think he was conflating, like feeling strong. Yeah, with health, wording it in a way that made it yeah, seem like, like because there's no injury. Like he. I mean, he was throwing 97 mile an hour sinkers and big curveballs and stuff like that. But it's a, I mean, he may be the, one of the most important guys on the team, not in the sense that he's going to be team MVP or anything, but in the sense that the role that they would like him to fill is vital to the bullpen. But the role that they ended up using him in post trade deadline was mop up because right. he was so right. unreliable. Right. And so there's such a wide spectrum between kind of good Jorge Lopez and not good Jorge Lopez. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's like the spectrum between like just, uh, just short of Joan Duran versus uh, just a little bit better right. than bad Emilio Pagan. Right. <laughs> like it's that kind of a, like, holy cow, is that an incredible range? Right. You know, and if he's good. Jorge Lopez throwing 97 with a good breaking ball and everything. That pushes, you know, Griffin Jackson to the seventh right, inning. That right. pushes Pagan into the sixth inning. It pushes everyone into like a lower leverage right. situation. But if he's bad, Jorge Lopez, not only does he get pushed to a, a mop up role, but then you need two setup guys to get to Duran, or right. you need Duran to pitch two innings more right. often. Or right. it just, it, it kind of reshuffles the deck of the bullpen based on. Right. Which version of him you're getting, and and not just this year, next year too. <laughs> well, next year too, because he, yeah, he's under team control. So right. yeah, he's a uh, he's interesting because it's like he almost gives off the vibes of a guy who wakes up every morning expecting to have lost his ability to throw 97 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, the way he talks about it, and it's like I kind of I probably would be that way also <laughs> if I was a major right? league pitcher. Uh, just but uh, but it's you don't talk to many guys who are like that where it's like yeah i was worried and we're like why were you worried something specific oh no i feel fine i'm just worried that i <laughs> throw worried. 92 now i worry and it's like well why are you worried what i mean that's something to worry about isn't it and it's like 
He's and he's like, well, I don't think I'd be as good throwing ninety two. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> probably not. But what are we? So anyway, he was throwing ninety seven. He's a lovely guy to talk to. He is I don't mean to portray sure. him as like not intelligent or anything. No, he, that's he's smart. No, he's, no, he's very smart. It's hey. just there's, I don't know. It was an interesting. Like I feel like he goes out and throws his warm up pitches before every appearance and says to himself, "Thank God." The deal with the devil did not expire last night. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it feels like that. Whereas Duran is like, I remember the first time Duran threw 103 and I asked him, like, when, how long have you been throwing 103? And he's like, I don't know, a long time, man. I always throw 103. <laughs> it's just completely different. Right. Like, yeah. Very different vibe. I mean, like, yeah, I was 12 and I threw 100 and then I was 16 and I, I threw mean, 103. It speaks a little bit like as if he is somebody who was a struggling starter for a long time and suddenly he's well, been that, granted. Yeah. That's uh, right. You know, a, the second chance. Second at, chance as a reliever. He's like, really? Right. This? I mean, I, I, I guess that is. Though? I guess, it, yeah, it does make more sense in that context, which he was a top starter prospect, struggled for about five years in three right. different teams, throwing 92 to 94, didn't have the control or the, the command to get by, moved to the bullpen last year basically with the Orioles and was an all-star right. immediately. So I guess in that context, it does – kind of feel like you won the lottery <laughs> right. and you're waiting for someone to knock on the door and say wake up yeah basically <laughs> or like that the right, ticket yeah. was wrong yeah, you have to give right. it back that's so yeah it's, i guess yeah. that's a good point it's interesting in that context okay i'm gonna go downstairs to uh, try to interview louis I'm varland publish this you're gonna uh, publish this monday we're probably gonna be doing a patreon i don't know exactly yeah what it's gonna be or who it's gonna be or if it's gonna be a mailbag or what we're gonna but do it'll be good something. yep <laughs> promise that mediocre or better is always my promise <laughs> thank you very much to our sponsors which are soda stick and rotowire and raycon and native and better help and uh, we'll talk to you on monday hopefully. Cleveland.